Folks came from all around From near and from far Just to sit here children, female and male, in the mouth of a racist, sexist, suicidal dragon is perilous and chancy. If they cannot love and resist at the same time, they will probably not survive. And in order to survive, they must let go. This is what mothers teach. Love, survival. That is, self-definition and letting go. Thank you, Phyllis. It's, it's good to see all of you here. It's good to have Russell back. Good to be back. Um, always good to hear from Phyllis, who's going to preach for us this evening. Um, Phyllis is many things. Among them, she is a mom. She is a gardener. She's an activist. She believes that every interaction has the potential to harm or heal, and she tries to fall on the side of healing as much as possible. Oh. All right. Um... Let's say hello to the band. Uh, how how are you guys doing? You know, I, I missed it last week. Actually, I, I tuned in. I, I did see you live on the phone. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Great guest artist. Um, a couple of you sleeping. I saw that. So, you know, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. I think he's lying because he couldn't tell if you were sleeping just seeing the back of your heads. Well, it won't be the first time she called me a liar. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be back. Mostly. Um, uh, hey, you know what I am glad about? Did you know that next week, following the service, it's Cocktails and Commitment. We are reopening the House of Mercy Lounge, and it is going to be a celebration. There will be cocktails. Uh, there will be hors d'oeuvres. There will be drinks of all manner. And uh, it will be a celebration uh, of our community and the pledge drive. A thank you to all of you who have pledged. And it will be an opportunity for those of you who have not turned in a pledge card to do that. You will also be able to do that. So next week after church, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you know what? We are um, giving everybody here a chance. We're going to have a signature cocktail, and we're looking for people to come up with it. So write it down or anything you have, or email it to info at houseofmercy.org. A, yeah, you know, kind of a churchy cocktail commitment themed sort of signature cocktail. You can write it down and put it in the Oblatio Receptica in the back or email it to House of Mercy, info at houseofmercy.org. We'll announce the winner of that at the party, right? Yeah, it's going to be a big surprise for everybody. <laughs> Do we have any more? Oh, candle, Condomas. Condomas, yeah. Yeah, Condomas. You, you want to put that on your calendar. It is coming up soon mm -hmm. on February 5th, so be sure to put it on your calendar. Condomas is the feast of uh, St. Bridget. It is also the Feast of St. Bridget, yeah. yeah. It's, um, what is it, a pagan feeding ritual? <laughs> no, I don't know. What, I'm trying to remember. It's something like that. No, it's it kind has of, layers it's and layers rite. and layers. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it has layers yeah. and layers. It's a rite of spring. 
think so I presume there's like a ABBA vibe to it yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> we're gonna will you bring that yeah, yeah okay yeah, all right no. <laughs> bring that vibe um is that do we have yeah you have a your announcement to make um do you need a little walking music Yes. Let's hear that song. $34 gets a lot. $34 gets a lot. God is good and hell is hot. $34 gets a lot. That's why I'm up here. Uh, this is the last official Sunday of the Pledge Drive. My name is Neil Bernards. I'm one of the board members. Uh, reminder to get back to the merch table there if you have not filled out your pledge card. Uh, fill it out and grab some merch. You've got the House of Mercy coffee mug. You've got the uh, star hat. Yep. It's going to get too loud. All right. So, just wanted to give my little pitch for updating your pledge. Like many of you, I probably wouldn't attend church if it weren't for Russell and Debbie and the community we've created at the House of Mercy. I've come to realize as an adult, unlike as a child, I actually like coming to church. But specifically, I like coming to this church. So if you can do your part, keep this mercy alive, help out uh, as you can, uh, that would be wonderful. I enjoy coming when I do, and I know many of you have found this to be your church home after searching for many, many, many other church homes that didn't quite fit. So this is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. There's a family Bible on the table Its pages were torn and hard to read But the family Bible on the table Will ever be my key to memory At the end of day when work was over And when the evening meal is done Dad would read to us from the family Bible And we'd count our many blessings one by one I can see us sitting round the table as from the family Bible Dad would read And I can hear my mother softly singing Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages Cleft for me This old world of ours is full of trouble this old world would oh so better be If we had 
more Bibles on the table, more mothers singing Rock of Ages cleft for me. I can see us sitting round the table. Where's from the family Bible Dad would read? I can hear my mother softly singing Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, we are grateful for the opportunity to be present in this moment, in this place, with our phones put away, with people who care about us, in this community gathered around mercy. Help us be grateful and attentive in your presence. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Let's share a sign of peace. Would you all please join me in offering a warm house of mercy welcome to our guest artist this evening, Paul Wonders. Right. Well, we're going to do a couple songs here that, um, that I've written. One is from about 20 years ago and kind of went back to it last fall and put a new coat of paint on it, so to speak, um, changed up the chords, the melody, added a verse, but it's still the same song. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, one from uh, this last fall. So, and I uh, appreciate the band uh, sitting in with me on this. I'm looking for a white horse It doesn't have a rider Ain't never took a bridle in her life And though I haven't seen a trace Hide nor hair in pages Soon enough I'll find her coming round To take me from this place I'm looking for a firstborn Falling out of favor Eating from the beaks of ravens passing by And though I haven't seen a trace Hide no hair in ages Soon enough I'll find him lurking round This God-forsaken place I'm looking for a clean heart Ain't got no fear of breaking That sees a chance worth taking in my eyes 
no, I hadn't seen it trace. I'd no hair in ages. Soon enough, I find her tearing down the towers in this place. I'm looking for a garden hidden in this wasteland, the safest, greenest place beneath the skies. And though I haven't had a taste or held its fruit in ages, soon enough you'll find me shaking down an apple from its place. Stay awake an hour with me. I'll keep watch and we'll see. Stay awake an hour, keep watch and we'll see. Chariot of fire will come on down and set our spirits free. Fear he not, the warriors quelling soon. Hometown liberation near at hand. Peace time been a long time coming, oh darling. Let me promise you something. I'm done for drawing pistols at high noon. Or drawing lines to take a final stand. Every note. Of our lifelong sorrowful tune We'll harmonize so sweet With that homecoming band Fear ye not The road is leveling soon Final destination near at hand Arrival been a long time coming Darling, let me promise you something Never coming back to this blistering dew Won't touch so much as a single grain of sand 
Every note of our lifelong sorrowful tune Will harmonize so sweet with that homecoming band Fear ye not, the drought is breaking soon Look up and see the rain is near at hand Harvest been a long time coming, but darling Let me promise you something Endless fruit with nary a branch to prune Nary a weed to pull from the bountiful land Every note of our lifelong sorrowful tune Will harmonize so sweet with that homecoming band It's hard, it's hard, it's hard, oh, it's hard, it's a hard rain, are gonna fall, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, oh, it's hard, it's a hard rain. Gonna fall. Oh, fear ye not, the drought is breaking soon. Look up and see the rain is near at hand. I invite you to join me now in the prayers of community. Let's pray. God of mercy, we pray that our souls will magnify you, that your love will manifest through us, that your mercy will fill us and spill over so that we might be capable of pausing before judging, understanding something about our enemies, about people who think and react differently than we do, that we might be able to feel a little bit of compassion instead of seething with condemnation or loathing. You have filled us with good things. Help us remember, or help us dig around until we find the mercy that you gave us. God, in your mercy. Gracious Mother, we pray that you will bring down the powerful from their thrones and lift up the lowly. Maybe the powerful could even be a part of lifting up the lowly. Maybe they could start caring less about generating more power and more personal wealth and care more about other people and the earth that makes their lives possible. It seems like that transformation doesn't come about very readily, but we pray for it, for transformation, for us, for them, for the powerful and the lowly.
from generation to generation. God, in your mercy, loving mother, fill us with your spirit. Where our human community is divided by racism, torn by repression, saddened by fear and ignorance, help us give ourselves to your work of healing. Help us think of at least one thing we might do to lean toward healing as we remember and celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. this weekend and the love that brought him into being. God, in your mercy, we pray for those who are suffering from addiction, anxiety, depression, futility, for those who are facing problems with their health on any front, for those who are in pain. Bring them some relief, warmth, moments of happiness, some ways to be free, even in the midst of suffering. We pray for healing. God, in your mercy. We have not always magnified you or rejoiced in your mercy. We have sought after power and the powerful and riches and glory. We don't always practice filling the hungry with good things and sending the rich empty away. We often don't magnify your ways. Hear our confessions. Help us know how we are hungry as we pause for silence. You love us and you forgive us entirely for all of our sins. Thank you. And keep transforming us with your mercy. Amen. How sweet and happy seem those days of which I dream When memory recalls them now and then And with that rapture sweet my weary heart would beat If I could hear my mother pray again If I could hear my mother pray again If I could hear her tender voice as then So glad I'd be would mean so much to me If I could hear my mother pray again She used to pray that I own Jesus would divine And always walk the shining gospel way So trusting still his love I seek the home above I shall meet my mother some glad day If I could hear my mother pray again If I could hear her tender voice as then So glad I'd be to mean so much to me If I could hear my mother Her patient smiling face was 
from Luke 1, chapter 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God. I recently read Anna Malika Tubbs' book, The Three Mothers, how the mothers of Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and James Baldwin shaped the nation. Alberta King, Louise Little, and Bertus Baldwin, born and raised at the beginning of the 1900s, raised their own children during the most deadly times of the 20th century. Like Mary, Alberta, like Mary, Alberta and Louise saw their sons executed. All mothers have an influence on who their children become as adults and what they bring to the world. Malcolm X said of his mother, the mother is the first teacher of the child. The message she gives that child, that child gives to the world. I've often thought about how Jesus must have been raised by a mother who was strong and smart and funny, fiercely loyal to family and community, 
loving and compassionate, strong and opinionated. Mother most pure, mother most admirable, mother most merciful, mother of divine grace. James Baldwin once said, I saw my mother's face again and felt for the first time how the stones of the road she had walked on must have bruised her feet. Above my desk, I have a picture of my daughter at about two and a half, standing on a chair, playing the congas with an indomitable look on her face. And I'm surrounded with sweet and funny and determined looking pictures of Zosha with animals and bugs and instruments and cousins and all kinds of other things. And it makes my heart explode with love. In her teens, she was profoundly depressed and almost died. She is now a jazz composition major at Berkeley in Boston. Martin Luther King said, it is something like the mother giving birth to a child. While she is temporarily consoled by the fact that her pain is not just bare meaningless pain, she nevertheless experiences the pain. In spite of the fact that she realizes beneath her pain is the emergence of life in a radiant infant, she experiences the agony right on. I suppose this is an accurate and pithy description of motherhood, a lifelong wavering between profound joy and consuming worry. Our Lady of Tenderness, Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Exile, Our Lady of Snows, Our Lady of Grace, Our Lady of Peace, Our Lady of Mercy, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, our Lady of Protection, Our Lady of Solitude, Our Lady of Light. There's oral tradition in the Roman Catholic and the Ethiopian Orthodox Church that tells us that Mary's mother was named Anna or Hannah in, um, in the Eastern tradition. I actually have a statue in my front yard of Anna with a book open and Mary kneeling next to her like Mary is teaching, or Anna is teaching Mary how to read. Um, and I had um, a, uh, uh, one of my neighbors uh, uh, who's Muslim came by and said, I love your statue of a Muslim mama teaching her girl how to read. And I said, <laughs> That is exactly what that is. In the Quran, in fact, Mary's mother had been barren all her life and had reached an old age when she made a sincere pledge to Allah that if she were granted a child, she would dedicate that child to God's pure service. The Quran tells the story of her birth and her upbringing under the prophet Zechariah in the temple. In a chapter that is named after her family, named Surah al-Imran. Mary is the only woman in the Quran that the Quran calls by her given name. 
The, the name Maryam occurs 34 times in the Quran, 11 instances of which occur in contexts that assert her nobility, which include the mention of God's favor upon her and the annunciation regarding her conception of Jesus. The Quran also makes an allusion to Mary by way of her elevated character. O Maryam, indeed Allah has chosen you and purified you and chosen you above the women of the worlds. O Maryam, be devoutly obedient to your Lord and prostrate and bow with those who bow in prayer. Some Islamic scholars believe that this is the origin of the way that they pray five times a day. From, from Mary's praying as a girl growing up in the temple. In the first chapter of Luke, uh, there's the Annunciation. And in the Annunciation, the angel says, Hail, Mary, full of grace. And full of grace is often translated into a meaning like, um, kind of implying uh, that you have been good in your life. Uh, and to me, uh, one time I did a, a study about the prayer, the Hail Mary, and it was about, I think we did about six meetings, and what we were doing was kind of going in line by line to the Hail Mary and figuring out what it means, what it means to us. Um, and then we re each person rewrote the, the prayer for themselves. And the first line of the, of the Hail Mary that I rewrote was, hail, Mary, fill us with grace. The Quran also honors Maryam with an entire chapter named after her called the Surah Maryam, which details the Annunciation and birth of Jesus. The depiction of the Annunciation in Luke and the Surah Maryam is incredibly similar. The angel said in the Quran, O Mariam, indeed, Allah gives you good tidings of a word from him, whose name will be the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mariam, distinguished in this world and the hereafter, and among those brought near to me. She said, how can I have a boy while no man has touched me and I have not been unchaste? He said, thus your Lord says, it is easy for me and we will make him a sign to the people and a mercy from us. And it is a matter already decreed. The first chapter of Luke then moves into the visitation, uh, which is depicted in this picture right up here of uh, Mary and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, interesting enough, in the Christian tradition, uh, has a similar story to Mariam's mother in the Islamic tradition. She is an old woman who has never born a child and then becomes pregnant in her old age. And this is where the Magnificat that Marie read for us comes in. There's also the nativity, uh, the presentation in the temple where uh, is uh, where Jesus as an infant at eight days old is brought to the temple for the bris um, or the uh, um, 
uh, it, which all Jewish boys are presented in the temple. And then the adolescent Jesus uh, at, at 12 years old in the temple. And <clears throat> so the first two chapters of Luke talk a lot about the very beginning of Jesus's life and, and then how Mary is involved as the mother in all these situations. In Matthew chapters 1 and 2, we get a similar story, except like Debbie told us a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, Joseph is the star of the stories. Um, Joseph gets told to marry Mary by the angel. Um, there's the arrival of the Magi that, that Russell talked about a couple weeks ago. There's the flight into Egypt and the return to Israel, and all, both of those are from Joseph's dreams. A little bit on, later on in, in the life of Jesus, we, we hear about Mary again at the beginning of John, John chapter 2. <clears throat> the wedding at Cana, where um, Jesus is a little snarky to his mom, and I'm sure none of the moms in the room have ever experienced that from their children. And Mary just calmly goes about her business and tells the servants to bring the water to Jesus. And even though he objected, he does what his mother says, like a good Jewish boy would. That at, the, at the end of the, the wedding of Cana, the verse 12, um, it says, after this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. It's interesting, growing up Catholic, we have this whole big thing about that Jesus didn't have any siblings and, you know, the whole virgin thing. You know, we used to, um, tongue-in-cheek when we were kids, we used to talk about, we used to call Mary the BVM, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, and, <clears throat> but we, I never, until I went to college, uh, heard anybody talk about Jesus having siblings, even though it was right there in the text. Um, I wonder if anybody ever read those passages of the text um, in Catholic Church. <clears throat> but in Matthew chapter 12 and Luke chapter 8, <clears throat> while Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and brothers came to him and they were unable to get to him because of the crowds. But they stood outside waiting to speak to him. Again, later on in Matthew... Um, The text says, and it also in Mark, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? It's right there. So Mary had at least seven children. Because sisters is plural, so that's got to be at least two. And four brothers are named in two of the Synoptic Gospels. Then, near the end, of course, we know that there is the Passion and the Crucifixion. And in Luke, the 23rd chapter, And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who bewailed and lamented him. And then, at the end of John, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, 
then he says, this is your mother and this is your son. The meeting between Jesus and his mother on the way to way to, of the cross isn't recorded in any of the Gospels. I have two beautiful representations here, one that Angie made and one that Rebecca Crisanta made for different years of our Stations of the Cross. When Mary meets Jesus on the way to his death. But we do know that there were women who followed him on the way, and we know that Mary was at the foot of the cross, and so it isn't unreasonable that she and Jesus would have met on the way when he was carrying the cross. The last mentions we have of Mary in the Christian Testament is in Acts 1 and 2 where it says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. I have a, I don't know, for those of you who've been coming to House of Mercy for a while and used to go to the Hamlin United Methodist, and there was a enormous window. The windows were gorgeous in that church. And one of the windows was a depiction of Mary um, and hugely in the middle and the disciples around and the, the Holy Spirit and tongues of flames. And I actually took a picture of it and even though I probably shouldn't admit this, I made a blanket with that picture, and I sleep with it on my bed every night. Queen of peace, queen of martyrs, queen of prophets, queen of all saints. So what might this all say about Mary, the, the, the things that we do know from the text, and from oral tradition, and from the Quran. Well, what I can kind of gather is that she was a young girl when she was asked by God to take an enormous risk in her community. And she didn't just do so out of blind obedience. She questioned first, and she considered and then she assented. There was poverty and danger during the pregnancy and birth. And at least at the beginning of her motherhood, as related in Matthew, there was danger of potentially Jesus being killed by Herod's soldiers. This picture here in front of us uh, is a depiction of one artist's depiction of Mary and Joseph in the desert, fleeing in the desert with the infant Jesus. We also know that Mary had multiple children, at least seven, whom Jesus was the oldest and probably quite precocious and maybe a little pain in the ass. She was a young mother, 
She lived in rural poverty, and she had seven or more children. So what kind of a woman was she? I asked Marie to read the Magnificat because while it is a description that Mary is giving of God, it is also a description of who Mary is. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Which tells me that Mary lived a life where she dealt with the day-to-day circumstances and the poverty and the danger. And yet she still rejoices. She still felt the presence of God in her life and remained humble. She understands God as extending mercy to everyone. In the text it says to those who fear him, and in this context, fear actually means awe. Um, So it's more like to people who are in awe of him. She understands that there are miracles in the world and that the God of her understanding, the Jewish God, the one God, was a God of mercy and supported those who were the poorest and the downtrodden and kept his promises. And as I read this, again, I can't help but think of all that Jesus taught in the parables and the stories that we're familiar with from here at House of Mercy and for some of us throughout our lives. So this testament is who Mary is. It's what she believes and it's how she's lived her life. She was a devout Jew. And some scholars believe that she was following a branch of Judaism that was centered around the ancient wisdom traditions. And that this is why Jesus taught in the ways that he did. We also know that she followed the teachings of her oldest son, and was an integral part of the early church community because she was there in the upper room at the Pentecost. So this is the first Mary I ever received. It was sent, it was made the day I was born by my 99-year-old great-aunt, who was an Irish Catholic, Adrian Dominican nun, and a teacher her entire life. She and her three sisters, who were also nuns in their 90s, dedicated me to Mary the day I was born. 
I didn't learn about this until I was in my 40s, and my mom sent me this and a number of other cards. Even so, I always had an abiding connection with Mary my entire life. People bring me statues and send me pictures, and now I get texts from all over the world when my friends are traveling of the amazing, beautiful Marys that they see all over the world. Many of the Marys that you see here today in the church have come from people in my life. And they each have stories that include my connections to those people and include the history of my relationships. When I was really young, well, I went to a, a church, the, the picture right behind where Angel's sitting is a picture of the statue that was in the church I grew up in, St. Dennis, in, on the south side of Chicago. And so there was Mary on that side and Joseph, and then there was a gigantic crucifix in the middle. And I remember Joseph had a hammer, um, and Mary is actually in a teaching posture, which is very unusual for statues of Mary. And so we always sat on Mary's side of the church. It's just the way we talked about it. And I remember going to church sometimes before school. I went to the Catholic school across the street from the church. And sometimes in the morning before school started, when I was in first and second grade, maybe third grade, um, I would go over to the church before school started because we had to go early um, because my mom was a teacher in the public school. And so we had to leave when my mom and dad left to go teach. And instead of staying with my brothers, who weren't very nice to me, um, I would go to church. And I would sit, and the thing I liked the most about it is it was quiet. And really, the only people there were the oldest nuns and the grandmothers. And I was thinking as I was writing this sermon that even though almost every depiction I have of Mary is as a young woman, because she was probably 15 when she had Jesus, and then six more children, at least, which could make you old. Um, in my heart, in my mind, Mary feels to me like she's ancient. And always was. She feels like an old woman. Maybe like the nuns and my grandmother. Who I remember sitting in church with her. And her moving the beads of the rosary. 
I can still hear her, the sound of her thumb when the, when the bead switched. Even for the 30 years between leaving the Catholic Church and coming to House of Mercy, I never let go of my connection to Mary. And I don't even know why. Probably had something to do with those old nuns. So I continued to say the Hail Mary, and I always said it in Spanish. And I think it's because my best friend in high school, where I learned to speak Spanish, this is where past tense gets weird, because she still is Mexican, but it was when we were in high school. Um, And I spent a lot of time at her house, and her mom loved and accepted me without question. And when Debbie's new book was published in Spanish, I had her sign it for Senora Lopez, and I sent it to her in Chicago. And I think that loving and acceptance that I felt from Mrs. Lopez, that was hard to feel in my family because of all the things my mom had gone through as a little girl and an adult. It makes sense to me that I still had such a strong connection through my grandmother and Senora Lopez to the love and compassion of mothering. My mom right now, today, my sister and my brother and a couple of my nephews moved all of my mom's stuff out of memory care into the, I can't remember what they call it, but it's the highest level of care because she broke her hip about a month ago. And even though before she broke her hip, she was still walking around and able to do many things on her own. What the PTs told us is that she's not likely ever going to stand up and get in and out of bed or the chair or anything else like that on her own. which seems incredibly sad and cruel to me. And when I was in Chicago and she was in the uh, higher level of care because she had just gotten out the hospital, um, she was kind of fussing and getting agitated and she doesn't recognize anyone, um, and she, she still talks, but nobody really knows what she's saying. Um, some of the time, we do. But she was fussing, and she was in pain, and 
the medical system is ridiculous and they didn't have any pain medication for her. She had just had her hip replaced. Um, and so I was sitting with her and I said, Mom, how about we pray? And immediately she said, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, clear as day. And then we said the Hail Mary a lot of times. <laughs> and it was quite beautiful. And even with all of these times in my life and all of the Marys that I have and all of the ways that I've collected and connected to them, I still, I don't even have words to tell you why. <laughs> She's just been in my mind and my heart. There are generations of women in my family in Ireland, in Poland, in the United States, who've prayed to Mary. There are deep and rich cultural connections to her. And still, I cannot adequately put into words what it is at the core of my being that I know to be true. That I am held that I am seen, and that I am not alone. Refuge of sinners, immaculate heart, seat of wisdom, morning star, star of the sea, gate of heaven, mirror of justice, untire of knots, she who shows the way. My sister sent me a card for my birthday a few years ago that I have ha hanging by my desk. And this is what it says. The women I admire for their strength and grace did not get that way because shit worked out. They got that way because shit went wrong and they handled it. They handled it in a thousand different ways on a thousand different days. Mary said yes with her eyes and heart wide open when it would have been way easier to say, no freaking way. She stayed through the joy and the agony. She buried her son and carried on leading in community. Mary's extremely important in Latin American liberation theology. She's an icon of strength and endurance, even in the most difficult and deadly of circumstances. Over hundreds of years, she has appeared to children and the poorest of the poor and those in danger and desperate need of protection. She has been said to have protected people in the most dangerous of circumstances. The only building standing after a tsunami was one that had been dedicated to Mary and had people who were 
devoted to her in it. She's also been said to have brought people and things through when there's no logical explanation. Our Lady of Czestakowska is a Polish Mary. It's one of the so-called Black Madonnas. And it's a painting that was said to be done on wood that was from the home of Mary and Joseph. And it has survived two fires where the surrounding building was completely burned down. She is known as Our Lady of Guadalupe, Luján, Loreto, San Juan de los Lagos. Our Lady of Lourdes, Fatima, Mount Carmel, Medjugorje, and Chestakovja. I walk my dogs at the river multiple times a week. This fall, there was a man living down near the train bridge on the St. Paul side of the river with paintings of Mary. And this is one of them. So I had been thinking about maybe wanting to buy one of his paintings for, for a lot of different reasons, but clearly I have a thing. So it took me about a month of passing by before I stopped to talk with him. And I started in my conversation by showing him the tattoos that I have of Mary and talking about my, my love and my commitment and the story about my 99-year-old great-aunt. And he started talking to me about Mary. And just let's say we had some really different ideas about God and Catholicism. And so I spent about 10 minutes trying to convince him that I was right. And he spent about 10 minutes trying to convince me that he was right. And then I walked away. And as I was walking away, I thought to myself, there is no freaking way I am buying a painting from that guy. <laughs> and then later, as I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about Mary, I thought about the thing that connected, to, connected us was our love for Mary and for who she is and what she represents, even if she represented something different to us. My guess is if we talked more, there would be a lot more that was similar. And so I went back, and it took me about another month <laughs> before I stopped and bought one from him. And this is the only one that was an original 
he said it was an original design and it was the first one that I saw that I was absolutely fell in love with. And the rest of his paintings, and they're all huge, were of different Marys that can be seen in different places in the world. And he asked me what I was gonna do with it and I said, I'm gonna bring it to my church. And he invited me to come back anytime and talk with him some more. So this year, I'm practicing looking for what connects me to other people rather than what divides me from them. I'm going to try practicing listening when it's way easier to judge or walk away. I'm practicing leaning into saying yes with an open heart and eyes wide open. Now I'm inviting you to join. I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day when I saw the hearse come rolling for to kick my mother away. Will the circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by? There's a better home awaiting in the sky lord in the sky oh i told the undertaker undertaker please drive slow for this body you're a hauling lord i hate to see her go will the circle being broken by and by, Lord, by and by. There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. I will follow close behind her, try to hold up and be brave. But I could not hide my sorrow when they laid her in her grave will the circle be unbroken by and by lord by and by there's a better home awaiting in the sky lord in the sky